Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he's doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Luke chapter 17 verse 3 says this, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And he sins against you seven times. If he holds the toilet seat up seven times in one day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, babe, the Lord said, you shall forgive me. I love the disciples' response. The apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you're all powerful, that you're a miracle-working God, that you deserve all glory, honor, and praise. But God, for some unknown reason, you want to share your power with us. You want to demonstrate miracles in our midst. So God, we say, have your way. God, speak to us today. God, we are thankful that it is finally football season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Before you sit down, high five two people. Tell them it's been a long summer, y'all. It's been a long summer. I'm about tired of these Orioles. Nationals ain't doing much for me. But it's football season, y'all. It is football season. Ravens, come on now. Okay, yeah, just checking, just checking. Hey, Redskins fan, y'all got a little hope this year? Got Haskins out there. Hopefully y'all don't break his leg too, but he's going to be, okay, that's insensitive. All right, we're starting. We started a series last week called Now Faith. Somebody yell back at me. Somebody say, Now, now. Faith. Come on, that wasn't good enough. Somebody yell at me. Say, Now, now. Faith. faith. We've been talking about how to operate, how to use, how to wield our faith. Last week, all we really did was define faith. I didn't actually teach you how to use it. I just taught you what it is. And we talked about how faith is knowing that God can that he is able. The Bible says Jesus has a name that is above every name and that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is in control. Which means this, anything that I can name is under the authority of Jesus. So just by the fact of cancer having a name, it means that it's under the authority of Jesus. Just by the pact of depression having a name, it is under the authority of Jesus. Whatever you can name is under the authority of Jesus. He can. Not only can he, but he cares. Y'all, he cares. So cast all your cares upon God, for he cares for you. Then we talked about not only can does he can and he cares, but he actually will. And that's, that's, that's the tough one. Because I know, you know, God's all powerful. He made, you know, the, the, the universe, and he's the king, king, Lord, Lord. Yeah, of course he can. And I mean, he cares. He got the whole world in his hand. He got the whole world. He got little bitty me in his hand. Like, did I make up that verse? But anyway, <laughs> he cares. But the hard part is how do I say he 
will. As I said last week, you don't have faith until you get to the part where you're able to say not just that he can and that he cares, but that he actually will. And God made an unbelievable statement in scripture about his will. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says this, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, his will he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, what? Look at your neighbor and talk like you from Baltimore. Somebody say, whatever. <laughs> Come on, they probably from PG County. Look at the other person and just be like, whatever. <laughs> he said, what ever? Why do I hate on PG County? I don't know. He said, whatever you ask, we know that we have what we asked. So here's my lifelong pursuit as a Christian. To close the gap between what I know and how I live. Because I know his word says, whatever I ask according to his will, I will have. But I'm going to be honest for me so I could be honest for you. <laughs> I don't live like that. Because if I really believe that whatever I asked according to his will, I would have, I'd be asking a whole lot more than I am asking right now. Here's the caveat. Here's the struggle. How do I know it's his will? Because the Bible guaranteed anything that his will, what does that mean? Anything that God wants, if you pray what he wants, it is guaranteed to happen. Here's my goal. How do I figure out what he wants? I say this all the time. The Bible is hilarious. If you don't think it's funny, you are reading it the wrong way. We were reading this passage in Luke chapter 17, and, and Jesus is talking to his disciples. And Jesus said basically, hey, guys, if somebody offends you seven times, you are required to forgive them seven times. Now, you may be thinking seven times, that's not that bad. I can, I can, I can do seven times. But remember earlier when we were praying, we said that seven in Scripture is the number of completion. So when God said forgive them seven times, he didn't really say seven times. He said infinitely. He said, as many times as someone offends you, when they repent, you have to forgive them every single time. And here's what the disciples' response to, oh, we got to forgive everybody. The disciple says, God, increase our faith. I, I don't have enough faith to forgive like that. What, 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 they, were, what they were saying, what, what you think every time I preach a message on forgiveness. They're like, I'm not that spiritual. <laughs> like, you go ahead and tell somebody, whatever, turn the other cheek. I ain't going to turn. I'm going to punch him in the other cheek. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> they said, increase our, our faith isn't big enough, Jesus, to live the way that you are asking us to live. And Jesus said, okay, you, you want me to grow your faith? Uh, you need more faith. Okay, I'm going to help you get more faith. Jesus said, here's how you grow your faith. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Talking about growing our faith. Like, I need Jesus to say, here's how you get mountain-sized faith. Here's how you get faith the size of an ocean. No, 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 no. Jesus said, he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the disciples are asking Jesus to help them grow their faith. 
And Jesus is like, I don't need to grow your faith. I need to teach you how powerful little faith is. Here's what Jesus was saying. Faith doesn't come in sizes. I, I don't know if you, you, you grew up in church or maybe you didn't grow up in church. I really feel sometimes there's a benefit to growing up in church and sometimes there's a benefit not to grow up in church. Because sometimes when you don't grow up in church, you just come in as a clean slate. You haven't seen all the foolishness and garbage that goes on in church. And sometimes as church folks, we've been there a long time. We're just hard and grisly, cynical, all that other kind of stuff. But, but if you grew up in church, you know, you know, church folks, they be saying some really dumb stuff. Stuff that don't, just don't make sense any other places. Like, oh, oh man, he's, he's a giant in the faith. What does that mean? I say in church. That's a man of faith right there. Cool. What other kind of men are there? <laughs> but sometimes we feel like, man, I don't have faith as big as, you know, Bishop T.D. Jakes or, 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 or this person or that person or whatever it may be. I, I don't have faith as big as that. I have little itty bitty small faith. And what Jesus was trying to help the disciples to understand is faith doesn't come in sizes. There's no such thing as small, medium, large, extra large faith. Faith is one of the things that you either have it or you don't. Can I prove it to you? There is nobody in this room that is 50% sure that God has forgiven you of your sins and you're going to heaven. You a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you 50% sure that he's forgiven you? Nah, bruh. (laughs) I'm certain That because of the blood of Jesus, he has washed away all of my sins and that I am blameless, not based on my record, but based on the fact that Christ has forgiven me. And he said, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed every mistake that I've ever made. I'm not 50% saved. I'm not 75% saved. I'm not 90%. I'm saved, saved. Huh? Faith doesn't come in dimensions or sizes. It comes in off or on. In Mark eleven twenty two, 22, it says this, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The original translation says, have the faith of God. Or it means this, believe just like Jesus believed. What kind of faith did Jesus have? He said, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, oh, we've upgraded now. We ain't on a mulberry tree now. We on a mountain. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and watch this, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray and believe that you receive them, you will have them. Faith is not, I hope he does it. Faith is not, I'm pretty sure he's going to do it. Faith is, I'm certain this is his will and there's no doubt. James 1, 6 says this, but let him ask in faith. Come on, you know, you won't guess. The whole message is on faith. Let him ask in faith, in faith with, with, with no doubting. He said, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. This is usually the verse I use when girls come up to me and say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I was dating this guy, then he broke up with me. Now we dating again, then he broke up with me. I don't know what to do. Dump him. <laughs> Guess one shot. He's a double-minded man. He ain't stable. 
But the Bible says that when you ask God in faith, you have to ask without doubting. Come on, you ever been there before? You're praying on Monday and you're like, God's going to do it. And then Tuesday, oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> then Wednesday, oh, I got a word from God. You know what I mean? And then Thursday comes and you're just like, but, but I don't know. What if it's not God's will? It says you're double-minded. Don't even pretend like you can get what you want because you're not. You need f- unshakable faith. I am confident, I am certain that God is going to do this. How do I know when I have that unshakable faith? What does it feel like? It feels like peace. Philippians 4, 6 says this, be anxious for nothing. Leave the verse up, guys. Can I tell you what anxiety is like? Monday, he going to do it. Tuesday, he won't. Wednesday, he will. Thursday, he won't. You're, you're, you're anxious. Is this God that right? Did I make the right move? Did I make the dumb mistake? This God, you're, you're anxious. The Bible says, no, no, don't be anxious. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace. That's when you know you have faith. The peace of God, which surpasses the circumstance around you. Like, I can't explain to you why I'm at peace because it doesn't make sense. But it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And watch this. It'll guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Why does it guard your mind? Because the enemy, I'm linking in the next Sunday's message, but the enemy is going to try to attack you and tell you, oh, no, no, God's not going to do that. You're not going to be healed. This is not going to happen. No, no, no. But the peace that comes with faith, it guards you. Can I show you what that looks like? It's when you're standing in the hallway at a hospital and your loved one is on the other side of that glass and a surgery is going on. And you should be a basket case. You should be on the ground in the fetal position with tears streaming down your face. But for some reason, there's a peace that you just don't understand. It's like an out-of-body experience where you're actually watching yourself and you're like, you ever been surprised that you didn't break down in situations you would normally break down in? And you're just like, what is, what, is, what am I, I don't understand. That's faith. People, are you okay? And you're surprised. You're like, actually I am. I have a peace that, that God is in that room. And that he's doing what only he can do. How do I know that it's God's will when that peace has settled in my heart, when I have that peace, I have faith. And now I can stand until I see it come to pass in my life. We're, we're building a case here. Okay, so I know that I have peace, faith when I have peace. How do I get that peace? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you didn't, but I'll tell you anyway. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15 says this. Never convict anyone on the testimony of one witness. There must be at least two and three is even better. When writing to the church of Corinth, Paul actually repeated this verse that was written in Deuteronomy. He said, hey church, this is the third verse or third letter that I'm writing to you. And he says, remember how things work in the kingdom of God. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. You cannot say, this is God's will for my life. God will do this 
until you have two or three witnesses. I, I had a story to tell about this, and it's actually pretty embarrassing, uh, but you guys will probably enjoy it at my expense. Um, there's probably only like two people in this room that were actually at my dad's church 15 years ago when this happened. But uh, when I was 17 years old, we were uh, in, in his student group. I was actually over the student group, and we took a trip to Atlanta to T.D. Jake's Megafest conference. And it was just, I mean, it was amazing. God moved in our lives, and we're on the, the bus coming back to Maryland. It's like a 14-hour trip. All the adults are sitting in the front of the bus, and all the y young folks and students are sitting in the back of the bus. And we were so overcome by the conference that we were at, like, we were having a worship moment, like Catalyst was happening in the back of that bus, y'all. Like, we were praying and worshiping, and then all of a sudden, literally, no exaggeration, the presence of God fell on that bus. And people start weeping under the presence of God. Like people start standing up and going into their book bags and pulling out their jaw roll albums and cracking them. And DMX got cracked. And I mean, we was just, I mean, it was revival. No girls start going in their luggage and this ain't of God and ripping clothes up. And people were breaking up with people back home on tech like three in the morning. It's over. God spoke to me. And <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was just the, like, we didn't know what to do. We got back to the church at like 1 a.m. and all our parents were there to pick us up and take us home. It was Saturday night. And we said, no, 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 we don't want to go home. We're going to stay at the church all night long. We're going to pray all night long. And, and we'll be here the next morning uh, uh, when you guys come. And church is going to be amazing. Now, just so that I could kind of clean this up so I don't sound like a complete idiot, that night we prayed over a guy. He was on the football team. He had torn his ACL, and he was going into surgery that Tuesday. We prayed for him. Nothing happened. When he went into surgery that Tuesday, they did an x-ray before the surgery, and they couldn't find a torn ligament. They never did the surgery because his knee was healed. So what God was doing in that moment was real. I don't know why I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to finish the story about the knee before I come back to this. But here's what happened. His knee got healed. The next week, 12 of his family members came to church to see what had happened. And all 12 of them got saved. And a revival broke out because of that healing that God did in that moment. So anyway, we get to church tomorrow, and it's like young and old Sunday because we're, I mean, we are going in, and they're feeling all the energy and the excitement from the conference, and, and, and my dad says, hey, somebody come up and give us a testimony of your experience, and I come up, and, you know, it's the church that you do testimony times. So I get on the microphone, I get on testimony, and, oh, my goodness, God moved in our lives, and, man, we feel the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to us, and he gave us visions of our future, and he spoke to all of us, and, and he even told me that the girl I'm dating is the one I'm going to marry. I did, y'all. I did that. I pulled a God told me. I am one of those. Great girl. Just wasn't my wife. And I dated that girl for the next two years. Months in, I knew it wasn't right. But because I had convinced myself that God had spoken to me and I had heard a word from God, I spent two years trying to force something that was not God. She wasn't a bad girl. She was great. It just wasn't God. But because I took my whole ten and a half and put it in my whole mouth, <laughs> I mean like swallowed it all the way down. Now I'm like, well, God spoke. 
and it will come to pass. Nah, bro, you were just up all night. <laughs> Knew nothing about the presence of God. Ate that pizza that did not go in the refrigerator, and now you're hearing things. <laughs> Faith is powerful, but it's also dangerous. Because some people claim to have faith, and what it really is is fantasy. Wow. Hmm? You guys know in the Ten Commandments where it says, do not use the Lord's name in vain? Church folks think that means don't say OMG. <laughs> and that's part of it. You probably shouldn't use God's name as a cuss word. But I don't think using God's name as a cuss word is the worst way you can use God's name. I think the worst way you can use God's name is when somebody says, God told me and actually God didn't tell you nothing and all you're doing is you're trying to, I'm throwing myself under the bus trying to use him to manipulate somebody else to do what you want them to do if I was really a preacher I'd tell you that the Bible says that's called witchcraft but I'll leave that alone <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to help you not be me <laughs> and how do I confirm that this is God's will like, he didn't just say it, but he desires to do it. Oh, I got y'all attention now. Y'all look at me so judgmental, like. Y'all lost all respect for your pastor. It's okay. It's going to be good. Okay, three. Here's the three witnesses that you need. The first one is this. Write this down. If you love Jesus, write this down. If you don't love Jesus, write this down. It's this. I need to align my feelings with his will. Step number one is I need to align my feelings with his will. We have this mindset that it doesn't matter what I want because I'm a servant. I'm a bond servant of Christ. You see, it's not about what I want. It's not, what, what do you want? It doesn't matter what I want. It, it's what God wants, and, and I'm just going to surrender to God. Well, well, the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. The, the Bible actually says that when you delight yourself in the Lord, that he gives you the desires of your heart. So actually, what you want matters. God is not going to force something on you that you don't want. We just have this idea that God is like this supernatural bully. Like, you know, you don't want to do this with your life, but I know better than you. Just obey me and go do it. And you're like, yes, God. That's why it irritates me when you hear pastors say, you know, I was running from the call of God on my life. God called me and I was just running. I was just running. I, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to surrender. But you know, they prophesied over me, told me I'm called. And, and I finally decided to, to surrender to the call. And I, I submitted to God's will for my life. That's why you're a pastor? Question for you. If you're going into surgery, how many people want to hear the surgeon right before you go out? Say, you know, I never wanted to be a surgeon. I actually hate medicine. Like, I wanted to be cybersecurity and IT and ended up here in medicine, so here we go. <laughs> God's not going to force you into something that you don't want. That's why he asks you to pray. What do you want? It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You know what amen means? It means let it be unto me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I want that. You know why we say amen in church? Well, y'all say it because you're going to try trying to rush the preacher to preach faster. But the reason you're supposed to say amen in church is, oh, that's for me. That's what amen means. It says, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, my, that, that's for me. Like, God wants to know 
what, what do you want? So I'm, I'm getting really practical. When I'm believing God for something, when I'm, I'm, I'm actually extending my faith, I will actually spend time envisioning or daydreaming. What do I want? The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you can't envision something, you won't have it. Hmm? So maybe you're looking to, to, to purchase a house. When you're going, walking through the house with a realtor, ask yourself this question. Can I see myself living here? Can I see myself pulling into this street and pulling up into this house and pulling into this three-car garage? Somebody say amen. Y'all missed the moment. <laughs> Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. No, no, no. Can I, can I, can I, can I see it? When, when we were moving the church, we had one campus in Baltimore, Woodlawn area, another one in Laurel. And if you don't know this, we combined both locations four years ago and came to Columbia. And we were actually not supposed to go to the high school that we were in. We were going to a permanent building. And, and we had gone eight months negotiating the contract. We were about to sign the lease. We had architects that had specked out the whole place. They were doing drawings. And we were getting ready to go in. I just didn't have a peace about it. And I was walking through, and I, and I told my wife, I said, babe, this building is beautiful. It's an answer to prayer. I hate to tell you all this. It had more parking than we had here. And uh, I'm walking through, and I'm just like, but I can't see myself preaching here. Listen to me. You will never have what you can't see. One of the reasons some of you are struggling to get out of debt is because you can't even see yourself debt free. Like, like nobody in my family's ever been debt free. I don't, I don't even know anybody who's paid off their entire house. Like, listen, if you can't see it, you can't have it. And, and the Bible says that God, God gives young men visions and older dreams. Like God speaks in pictures. Yeah. Couple that the doctor said you'll never have a child. You got to be able to see yourself. Up all night with that baby crying and screaming and you not sleeping. <laughs> Come on now. You're single and you, you, you want to get married and you're past the age where you think that's possible. Can you envision yourself in that dress, in that tuxedo? Can you envision yourself coming back from that honeymoon? All the innocence is gone and everybody's like, oh, y'all have fun. <laughs> like if you don't have a vision of it. I, I used to say business owners, but everybody needs to do this with their career. Like, as the pastor of this church, quarterly, I take about three days off, and I get out of the office, and I just begin to envision what does the next season of this church looks like. Yeah. Like, like what, what's, what's the next location, the next building? What's the bigger building? Because this ain't working, and I can't preach 12 times a weekend, guys. So we got to envision. Like, you need a vision of, hey, where am I going? Tracking? Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. In other words, it's saying, hey, your job is to be able to look out and see what is coming next in my life. And then watch this, and watch to see what he will say to me. That doesn't make any sense. You don't see words, you hear words, unless it's words from God. Because God speaks in pictures. Somebody say, prove it. God said, let there be light and there. You can see what he says. And he says, I stand to watch to see what he will say. And here's the good part. 
and what I will answer when I am, scream that word at me, corrected. So here's what I do. I envision what I want in a certain area. You won't be healed if you can't envision yourself healed. Like you need to have a vision of you not taking that medication. Now I'm not saying not to take the medication. Don't, I ain't fitting to get sued up in here. Wait till your doctor says your levels are back to normal. But you need to have a vision of God has healed me. So I'll get a vision. I have a vision for our church over the next five years. I have a vision for my kids. I have a vision for everything. But then I take this vision into prayer. And I submit my vision. And I say, God, can you correct my vision? Show me where, this is, where there's selfishness in this vision instead of humility. Show me where this is not quite your plan and not quite your will. God, add color, add definition, add shading, add detail to the vision that God has for you. I told you before, growing up, one of my passions was to be an entrepreneur and to open my own restaurant. I didn't know that I had a vision for organization and creating a place not for people to eat, for a place for people to have family and to feel comfortable. It's not until I submitted that vision to God and God says, yeah, I've given you that desire. You're just a little bit off here. Let's call the restaurant church. And uh, <laughs> okay, now you have the right vision. Like I'm submitting it to God. Does that make sense? Do you have a vision of the person you're going to marry? Do you have a vision of the kids you're going to have? Do you have a vision of not having any debt? Get one. I'm messing y'all up. We're going to have fun. This is online. That's okay. I, I, I'm a visionary. Like this, 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 this faith stuff, this is what I do. I, I was freaking my wife out. When we first got married, we, we lived in an apartment, and, we, you know, we're pastors, and we're coming up and, you know, doing what we're doing, paying off debt. And I said, babe, let's go look at houses. She's like, we can't afford a house. I said, I, I know, but let's go look at a house. I said, babe, you know, we're, we're not going to buy a house for a few years. I said, cool, okay, let's go look at a house. <laughs> Yo, we went and looked at million-dollar houses. I ain't going to look at no townhouse. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to get your vision. Yeah. This was four years ago. My wife's all squirming. She's like, oh. and I'm like, no, let's go. And, you know, they got open houses, so you don't need a realtor. You just walk on in. And I just walked on in the house, and she's like, they go, no, we broke. They say, wait, wait, wait. They go, no, we broke unless we act broke. <laughs> so, y'all think I'm joking? I walked up in this house, and I was like, that's ah, all right. I said, I probably would knock this wall out here. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the real, like, can y'all put like a double shower in here? Y'all ain't got a single shower here. I'm renovating. I can't afford nothing in that place. I couldn't afford the little welcome mat at the front door. But I'm getting me a vision. Huh? And then when I have that vision, I'm submitting it to God. Now, don't go buy that house. You can't afford it. That ain't God's will for your life yet. That's only one witness. Two is this. And now I need to align my thoughts with his word. So here's what people do. People say, I had a vision. I have a peace. God's spoken to me. So I'm going to ask, so what? Hmm? So what? You think you got a vision from God? You ain't got a vision from God. You stayed up too late last night. You ate bad pizza. That's what you got. You got indigestion. You don't got no vision. 
The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. Now that I have a vision, now that I have an inner peace, God's word has to back up what I have a peace about. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit will never contradict what God's word says. <laughs> I heard a guy say, you know, I, uh, I realize I married the wrong woman. The woman that I'm married to is not the woman that God had for me. The woman that I'm having an affair with is the one that God had for me. Well, you're wrong. And I don't even have to pray about it. Because the word says cling to the wife of your youth. The word says once God has put you together, don't let man separate it. It's also something about defiling the marriage bed. Uh, so you need to repent before you burn. <laughs> like, you don't, there's certain things in God's word, it's called logos, that he's written. And the Holy Spirit will not contradict that. You know, God, God told me to lie about this situation because if I lie about it, then this person is going to get the promotion that they need. I don't even got to pray about that. The Bible says to speak the truth in love only. Well, if I don't, I don't care. That's not God. Well, the Holy Spirit told me. Can I be your pastor for a second? No, he didn't. Something we think, well, if I said God told me, that's the trump card. You can't hear God. John 14, 26 says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. The Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus, which is the word, and Jesus points to the Holy Spirit. My favorite verse in all of Scripture is John chapter 1, verse 14, and it says this, and so the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm not just interested in reading God's word. I want to see it come alive, explode in my heart. Let me give you one more verse in Romans. It says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know why you come to church to hear preaching and why you should not miss the Sunday? Because when you hear God's word, faith explodes in your heart and something supernatural happens. You get this, I can have that. Like I can, I can have what happened. Faith exploded because you heard God's word. Now, there's Logos word, which is it's, it's written and it doesn't need any type of interpretation. Like, stop lying. Then there's Rhema word of, I need a right now word today to confirm a specific request or decision I need to make. Like, like, do I marry this person? I'm just, let's just make up something. Let's say her name is Shantae. <laughs> you ain't finding Shantae's name in the Bible. <laughs> I was reading one day and the Lord said, take Shantae. <laughs> Away from her people. <laughs> no, they ain't going to be there. But how, I still need biblical confirmation. So here's what you do. You actually sit down and you write out all your fears. 
afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I'm not quite sure. Here's why I'm still not sure, and I'm not sure about this, and I'm not sure about that. Because, listen, you're not there by yourself. The Holy Spirit is there. And you're submitting it to God, and you're saying, God, can you give me a confirmation from your word of which direction I should go in? I mentioned this last week on our second son, Roman. Um, the, the, the doctors, as they were doing the different ultrasounds and all that kind of stuff, they said, hey, he looks like he's, he's missing organs and, and there's a chance that he won't be full term and there's, there's complications and all this other kind of stuff. And, y'all, that, that shook our faith. By the way, if you're in here and you're a doctor, I love you, um, but I don't like you because you people have issues. <laughs> y'all be looking at x-rays be like, Whoa! And we're like, what happened? Like, oh, no, it's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. What do you mean wait and see what happens? You just scream. So me and my wife, our faith is shaken. Like, we're trying to envision ourselves holding our son, but that vision is like Monday we have it, Tuesday we don't, Wednesday we have it, Thursday we won't. By the way, if you're pregnant or you're, 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 you're believing God for a child, your pastor rebukes you and refuses. Oh, I don't know what I'm looking for. Stop reading pregnancy blogs. Stop it. They are full of fear. You out there six months pregnant talking about I got heartburn. Read a blog. Like, because your kid got six toes. That's the problem. That's, if you feel heartburn right by here, it means your kid got six toes. And you all freaking out. You think you got six little monster coming out. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's this fear that's coming in. And we're praying and we're reading through God's word. And then one day my wife comes to me. She says, I have faith. I got our confirmation. So this morning I was reading Exodus 23, 25, and this is what she told me. She said, it says this, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you with bread and water. Verse 26, no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. She said, babe, when I read that, my heart exploded. We are serving God's house. This won't end in miscarriage, and this won't be an early pregnancy. He will fulfill the numbers. Look, guess what, y'all? We just got our substance. We just got our evidence of what we were hoping for. And every time we went into that doctor, whatever the doctor said didn't matter because God gave us a receipt in the word that he is going to do what he said he's going to do. When that baby comes out. The baby comes and the doctor checks them out and we're waiting for them to tell us what's going on. The same doctor that did the ultrasound is the one that delivered the baby. I don't know if she forgot all the fear she put us through or whatever it may be. She didn't even mention any complications. She said, hey, get off the floor, Stephen. Here's your baby. <laughs> it's a different story for a different day. A healthy son, full term. Because we had comfort, because we had faith. I'll give you another one. Some of these stories, I, there's a statue of limitations. I can't tell you too close to them because then you're not going to trust me, your pastor. But it, like I said, we, we had a church in Woodlawn and one in Laurel, and we were combining the two in Columbia, and, and I was scared, y'all. I wasn't scared. I was scared. Like, I'm like, God, there's like 400 people in the church. I was like, what if they don't come? Like, it's like, it's like 25, 30 minutes from Woodlawn to here. Some of y'all don't like driving eight minutes to church. Like, y'all be in the parking lot for eight minutes going home. You all ticked off. Don't remember when the I hate this traffic. <laughs> I'm like, God, what if, what if they don't? I'm, like, terrified. And I'm literally writing. I said, I said, God, I'm terrified. I literally wrote that. I said, God, I'm terrified. In my journal. I mean, in my um, revelation book because men don't have journals. But I was writing in my revelation book. <laughs> I said, God, I'm terrified. What if they don't come? What if they ruin this church? What if, what, what if I ruin this church? And I'm sitting there and I'm praying over this and I'm coming across this verse, Isaiah 43, 5. Y'all, 
It was another one in the Verizon Wireless weeping in the presence. Look what this verse says. It says, fear not. Y'all, the first thing I wrote was, God, I'm terrified. And I land on this verse and he says, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north and give up the, to the south. Do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. When I tell you, faith exploded in my heart. The Holy Spirit was like, combine it. Go to Howard County. They will come. Y'all, when we left those two locations, we had about 400 people. The first Sunday in Howard County, we had 485 people. Not only did we not lose people, but the church grew. You need confirmation from God's word. Last thing is this. Remember three witnesses, right? Let me, let me give you this also. Here, here's, here's Stephen's rule. So it says two or three witnesses. If it costs me less than $5,000 and I can undo it in 12 months, I'll go with two witnesses. But if it costs me more than five grand and the collateral damage is a little bit bigger than 12 months, then I'm like, I need three to five witnesses. I ain't, I ain't just going to go with two. Like, if I'm going to buy a house with a 30-year mortgage, all right, I need, I need more than two witnesses. And, and here's the third one. I need to align my vision. So I have a vision, but I need to align my vision with his way. Yeah, I, I got a piece about it. Man, I got me, I got me scripture. I got me a word. Can I'm always asking if I could be ornery, but I am anyway. Some of you guys trust yourselves too much. You, you, you trust your own ability to, to hear the voice of God. And I'm not saying that you can't because the Bible says that we're his sheep and we can hear his voice and he can speak to us. But, but, but I feel like humility is being very unaware of your humanity and your fallibility. And the fact that sometimes I mess it up. Like, I didn't want me to marry that woman. I did. And after about two months, I was like, I don't. <laughs> but because I said I did, I'm now stuck. I'm wrestling with this thing for two years. And here, this is just being super crazy. Play, and that'll make me feel like not so exposed right now. So here's how I stayed in that relationship. Just because she's watching online, she was a great girl. There's nothing wrong with her. She just wasn't, I keep on saying that, right? She was crazy. No, but. <laughs> Jamaican, it was wild. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, listen, 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 listen. Focus, 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 focus. <laughs> so here's how I convinced myself that it was God. I was like, okay. God's still working on her. And she's going to change into the marriage that I envision. She, she's going to change. It's not who she is right now. She's just going to change. And my mom, my mom wasn't feeling her at all. You know how mamas are. But my mom didn't say that. So one day, you know, I'm in the house. And, and I don't know if my mom was trying to get me a break with her or she was just, she probably was. And she said, you know, Stephen, I'm pretty much the same person I was when I was 16. She's like, I mean, I'm a Christian, and I'm sanctified and all that, but my personality, everything about me, I'm the exact same person. And something just sunk in my heart. It's like, stop trying to change people. They are who they are. You got it wrong. This just isn't God. You're going to look like an idiot. It won't be the last time. <laughs> Proverbs 11:14 14 says this. Where there is no 
counsel, you will fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I don't mean this to be arrogant, but just to kind of make a point. As the pastor of this church, I'm not saying I'm the top dog or whatever it may be, but I possibly have one of the greatest abilities to hear God's voice, to, to understand confirmation from Scripture. And this church still has a board of trustees. That every time we make a major decision about buildings or finances or whatever it may be, all of us have to agree. I can't just say, hey, God told me, let's do it. Why do we set the church up that way? Because the Bible says that's safe. That there's safety when you don't just run off making decision on your own, but you're just like, hey, I got I to gotta get some, y'all listening? Godly people around me. Well, somebody told me this was God. They're just as dumb as you are. I'm not saying to go to any, you, look, you can find anybody to agree with you. No, no, find somebody who there's evidence in their life that they've heard from God and obeyed and have walked in the will of God. If you're married, can I tell you who that first person is? Your spouse. Now, let, me, let, me, let me help some of y'all out. Every time my wife says I don't have a piece about it, and I'm like, babe, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. I got a piece of it. We're going to do this. Let's go. No exaggeration. It's cost me $10,000 minimum. Whether it's a dumb car that I bought or whatever it may be. Like he said, hey, 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 hey. Get, get, get some outside counsel and it'll keep you safe. And I, I you know, I, I live my life kind of exposed to help you out. Here, here's what happens. Oftentimes, me and my wife disagree. And I'm like, this is God. I saw myself in the house, babe. This is, this is it. This is it. And she's just like, eh. And you know what normally happens? It normally is, I'm right. Y'all don't believe me, do you? No, no, no. It is that I'm right. It's just that my timing is off. And the lack of peace that she feels is that's God. We're just a little early on that one. Like, let's wait another 18 months. Oh, it's not quite the moment yet. You, you, you allow, you know, people come up to me and they say, you know, Pastor, God told me to quit my job and move to Fiji and, you know, start my own, you know, resort. <laughs> you know what I say? Cool. Why? Because they're not asking for my counsel. They st God told me. Okay, cool. What do you want me to do? I ain't going to say nothing because if I say anything, you, if I disagree with you, what you're trying to tell me is you disagree. You're standing in the way of God. So you know what I say? See you when you get back. Faith doesn't mean you throw out all wisdom. Faith means I'm going to get these two to three. And when I, have, when I have a peace, when I have confirmation in God's word, when there's godly counsel that say, I can see you doing that, that sounds like God. Then you step out in confidence saying, hey, this is the will of God. This is what God has planned for me. And you hold on by faith. Let me give you a sneak peek for next Sunday's message because that's when the enemy is going to attack you with all that he has and to try to convince you what you think God said is not actually what God said. And that's where you're going to have to fight the fight of faith. But that's next week. But man, when I have those two to three witnesses, I can confidently say, this is God's will. This is what he's going to do. By the way, it's amazing that when you give your life to Jesus and become a Christian, me and my wife were laughing about this, 
when you look back over your unsaved years, you'll be able to see times that God was giving you confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that he was chasing you down, that he didn't abandon you. Remember that random conversation you had at that frat party about how good God is and how the plan that he has for your life, and it just didn't seem to fit there? He was confirming over and over and over again, I want you and have a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. Some of you in this room, you have a peace that you know you need to surrender your life to Christ. You've heard the word preached. You have physical confirmation. You're sitting next to some people that you could have never seen in church. They're in church loving God, full of joy. And God says, you got your three witnesses. What are you waiting for? It's now time to take that step of faith. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that you've given us such a powerful tool like faith to access all that heaven has for us. Father, we're not asking that you'd increase our faith, but God, we're asking that you would solidify our faith. Just where you are, if you're in here and you know in your heart of hearts, I can't say that I've ever truly surrendered my life to Christ. I can't say that I'm 100% sure that I'm going to head to heaven when I pass away, that I belong to Jesus. And I know that he's given me sign after sign after sign, confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. In this moment, your heart is exploding because you know the Holy Spirit is talking to you. This is your moment. This is, don't delay it till next week. Today, God, I'm surrendering to you. If that's you, whether you're watching online, whether you're sitting in this room, make that decision. And here's how you do it. You pray this prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come up front, but right where you're sitting, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for confirming how much you love me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I can be forgiven. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person that's making Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.